Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast, where we interview growers from all over the world, both beginners and experts, seeking to learn more about what they know about gardening and how they do things in their garden. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This episode number 108. In this episode, I interview Adam Dunn. He has been gardening for 30 years and is the host of the Adam Dunn Show, which I'm sure a large handful of you are familiar with. He has experience growing with several types of hydroponic systems and also has experience with organic gardening. And that's what we talk about in today's episode, organic versus hydroponics. If you want to see highlights of these podcast episodes, search Garden Talk Clips on YouTube. That is a channel dedicated to short clips of these podcast episodes. I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring free gardening information of all plants to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. Thanks to AC Infinity for sponsoring this episode. They now have supplemental lighting called the Ion Beam. I have the Ion Beam S11 grow light bars, which are 11 inches long and use Samsung LM301H diodes, but they also have the Ion Beam S16, which are 16 inches long and use the same diodes. It comes with a light controller with four light intensity levels and timer settings. I'll have a link in the description section below so you can learn more about their supplemental lighting and the discount code MrGrowit15 works on both Amazon and their website, acinfinity.com. And we're back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Adam Dunn. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. So you've been requested by a large handful of my viewers. A lot of people are familiar with your show, which I'm sure you'll talk about in your introduction here. But before the introduction, let's uh, reveal the topic, organic gardening versus hydroponics. So you've done both methods. And I'm really interested to hear how you've grown those ways, tips, tricks, stuff like that. But first, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening. Sure. Uh, My name is Adam Dunn, and I've been into gardening now for 30 plus years, it looks like. It's it's crazy how time flies, right? Um, When I was growing up, my dad, uh, my my grandfather was a a head groundskeeper at at a golf course. So... We had the greenest lawn in the, in the, in the block. You know? It's like you come down our street, it was all crabgrass everywhere except for our house. Perfectly green grass. And, uh, but he, had a really, he always had a good garden and kind of, you know, Greek, Greek heritage, you know, so they, they tend to love to have their little victory gardens still. So and that was back in New England, which is an amazing place for growing anything, really. It has a, you know, it's different, right? We're out here in Colorado now. It's dry and there's very, lim- like, quite limiting on certain things you can do. And I go back to East Coast and see my friends growing pumpkins and things and just like, wow, the corn, you know, just all the different, like just the quality of the, of the vegetables and things coming out of there is amazing. So That's a big difference. I was born and raised in Massachusetts and now I live oh, same in thing. Las Vegas. Massive oh, yeah. difference. <laughs> exactly the same vibe difference. Yeah, exactly. Because it's just like, you know, the lack of humidity makes a huge difference. That's one thing. You're just like here in Colorado. We are constantly battling that. You know, there's never enough water. Yeah, it's very dry out there, similar to how it is where I live. So what about your show? How did that all come about? Um, you know, like, like a lot of things, evolution of, uh, of uh, you know, I, I came to Colorado in nine, 2010. From, I lived in Amsterdam for 21 years. And so I came here in 2010 and, uh, you know, that. I was on a lot of other people's shows. I was on the John Doe radio show, which is, uh, was like a local uh, show here in Colorado. And it was really instrumental, I think, because it really, like his show was like a beacon that brought people to Colorado because they were like, I can't believe this is happening. You know what I mean? So they all came out to see the changes happening in Colorado. And I rolled into town and I was like, yeah, I'll come on your podcast and hung out with them a bit. And I realized I really like, quite liked the, I like the format. I got a lot to say. <laughs> I got a lot of stories, you know what I mean, after living there for so long and really felt like it was a good good medium to work with. And now it's been 10 years. It's crazy. It goes so, again, like time flies, right? So all of a sudden it's 10 years later and we're still rocking and rolling. And it's great. It's a great, um, I think, as you know, podcasting right now is is like the last sort of free creative place to be, you know, like you're, you're, as long as you're not, you know, working for somebody else, and if you're doing your own thing, you can create your own lane, which is 
rare in this world. You know what I mean? There's very few things that you can actually do that with. So I feel like podcasting is a great way to get to people and connect on a real level. And uh, yeah, I love the I love the no rules part. <laughs> it's my favorite. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. And for those tuning in, uh, particularly on YouTube, I'll definitely have a link to Adam's channel down in the YouTube description section below. And if you're tuning in on one of the podcast platforms, just search for him, the Adam Dunn Show. It'll pop right up on on YouTube. You're on podcast platforms as well, or, or what? Oh yeah, yeah. We think we're on like nine different platforms now. We go we go through restream, so they go on on all of them, you know, and. Uh, been, it's actually the numbers have been going crazy too. It's like I've been, you know, I I really don't pay attention to those things, and I'm not really like beholden to numbers and and trying to get higher, you know, viewership and stuff. But what we have noticed is, you know, just organically it's grown over time, and now we're hitting like you know 150,000 a month or something like that on average, which is you know really good because if you could just imagine 150,000 people in one place, it's it's quite a good crowd. You know what I mean? You start getting those crowds together, you're like, all right, we're getting somewhere. Congrats on all your success. That's not easy to do at all. So that's a huge accomplishment there. Yeah. I think the key, the key to the whole thing, if anybody out there is listening and they want to start a podcast, number one thing is be consistent, right? Don't, don't think you can do one and then wow, maybe a few months later I'll do another one. Nobody, no, nobody, they want to see you on, you know, like we literally, we missed a couple here and there, but it's always been just, you know, major circumstances. But for the most part, it's always like you feel it in your heart. Like I got to, I got to do this, man. I got to be there. They're, they're waiting on me. You know what I mean? So it's a good feeling. I can vouch for that as well. Consistency is definitely key when it comes to that. Oh, hundred percent. Worst thing is when somebody says, Oh, is that podcast still on? You're like, what? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you want to make sure people know. Yeah. So let's get into our topic today. I want to start with hydroponics. I'd like to know to begin, what hydroponic systems are you familiar with and what ones have you used in the past? So when I was living in Holland, actually, so when I moved there in, in 89, it was like, you know, that is like the, that is like the, the, the crown jewel of hydroponics, right? I mean, as far as it's either, it's either Ein Gedi in, in Israel or it's Alsmeer in Holland. Those are like the two critical spots, right? Alsmeer is where all the greenhouses are outside of, uh, outside of Amsterdam. And, you know, when you fly in, right, that's the thing as, as, a, as a grower, when you fly into Amsterdam, it's almost like nowadays flying into Colorado, right? You come in at night and you see all the lights and you're like, that's a grow, that's a grow, that's a grow, that's a grow. You know, you can spot them out. And in Holland, right, the airport is right where the greenhouses are. So when you land, it's like you're coming into like, there it is, you know, so it really gets you going. So when I got there, I really wanted to learn everything I could about hydroponics. I really was super focused on it. I was into aeroponics at the time. I was, I became the, uh, at, after a while, I became the distributor for general hydroponics in the Netherlands, which, you know, now if I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I like, I literally had the, I had them by the balls, you know what I mean? So I was like, I was really like, oh. I have the best food in the world because really general hydro definitely changed the game for indoor growers on hydroponics because it really gave you an ability to adjust your formulas a little bit. Even if it was just minor adjustments like two, one, one or two, two, one, or, you know, you just, it was quite simple. You had your grow, your flower, your micro, and you could bounce in back and forth between those. But in Holland, it was like, you know, they're growing on acres and acres and acres of greenhouse like massive scale flowers vegetables everything you know everything under the sun but they're also doing it from a you know a dutch pragmatic and you know economy of scale type situation so when you start talking acres of anything every penny counts right so so for them hydroponics is based on economy and it's based on ability to push things through the system fast because they have you know the largest flower distribution centers in holland right and it's like they the airport had they have their own area at the airport where they do their auctions and they bring all the flowers in and bring it all in ship them all over the world so you gotta imagine that's like a well well uh, oiled machine right it's like they have they can grow a plant and have it in a store in 48 hours from the time it gets cut, you know what I mean? And it's anywhere in the world, which is amazing. So, so I went there like, like it was church, you know, I was just like, Oh my God, I'm going out to, I'd go out to Alsmere and I'd go to these greenhouse supply centers and walk around and had no idea what I was looking at. I was just, just overwhelmed, you know? Um, but I, um, started working for Sensi Seeds, um, in 93 
And so that kind of got me, uh, got me more on the smaller, like got me more realistic sized systems. Cause the thing is when I went to Alice I just was like, where to start, right? You're talking about these million dollar greenhouses and it just was way over my head. But when I started working at Sensi, we started with a very passive um, hydroponic system. It was like a, it was like probably the most easy, least sort of active uh, system that I've ever worked with. And it was, uh, I used a, basically it was like a, a cement, cement mixing container, you know, the classic black ones. And it, they put a water level meter in the bottom, which is a plastic water level meter, uh, put an ion exchanger on the bottom. And that was the key to the whole thing was this ion exchanger, right? So it was like little polymer balls, little red polymer balls. And you sprinkle that down at the bottom of the container and you fill it up with hydrocorals with your, with your hydrostones there. And, you know, you set your, you basically would put your rock wool blocks on top and top feed them until the roots made it to the bottom of the container. So you'd be top feeding very lightly, you know, just kind of coaxing the roots down. And then once the roots got to the bottom where the water would be, because you'd fill your water level, maybe, you know, a couple inches at the bottom. And that was it. <laughs> and I was like, that was their considered hydroponic system. I mean, that is technically it's hydroponics, but it's like so inactive. There was no, nothing happening. Right. So I was always like sitting there watching it going like, there's gotta be more like, I'm so used to these, looking at these other systems. They've got injectors and they've got all sorts of stuff. So it, it felt like it wasn't, I wasn't involved enough, you know? And so I ended up poking a hole in the bottom of it. Right. Putting a drain in there screwed everything up <laughs> right out of the gate because I let all the ion exchanger out, which I didn't, you know, I didn't get the whole system, but that whole, that just those little polymers was the key to the whole system because they took in extra, you know, they took in any kind of uh, extra salts and things and, and kept it away from the roots and, and balanced the pH where once I got rid of it, I was like, Oh, so I, so I quickly learned, you know, that it's, with hydroponics, it's a system, and the system is important, but it's also really based on you, right? So if you, you know, forget to do one thing or contaminate something, and so I, I learned quite quickly that it was there's a lot of moving parts, and not in that system in particular, because that's why I was pissed off. I was like, I want any more action. So then the next thing I built went straight from that to aeroponics because that's what I was thinking in my mind hydroponics meant like complicated things with lots of I needed to, I needed to make it which I didn't I realized down the road that that was the exact reason why I stopped <laughs> you know but in the beginning it was I think it's because a lot of people are you know we're very into the into the tweaking you know the little do 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 like and and I felt like with with this with my hydro systems that I was building you know I was really into the construction of it so I went out and and built my own aeroponic system. I looked online. Well, it wasn't even online back then. I looked in a book. Well, imagine that, a book. And I was looking at the systems, and it was like, oh, those are PVC pipes with, with little baskets in them. I can do that. You know what I mean? So then I went to the back to the supply center that I'd gone to in Elsmere with all these parts and stuff, and I started to just build them in the, in the aisles. You know, I'd stand in the aisle and like, okay, if I take this sprayer and have to figure out the gallons per minute and you know, tried to figure out and calculate something that would work and kind of bought this whole, all these little bits and pieces and took them back to my place. And, uh, we, we built this system and, um, it was amazing. Like we overbuilt it because we had the, we had access to the best of the best when it came to like hydroponic equipment. Right. So, but it was all like you had to know what it was, right? So I was Frankensteining everything, like, oh, I'll take this piece and connect it to this one. So I had no idea what I was doing. But I made a system that worked, but I made it too good. Like it was way overbuilt. Classic, classic, like, you know, later on when I realized how much I, in, you know, I had UV, I had UV for the water. I had like, I went full, full stop. You know, the water would be cleaned by UV, it would go back into the system, and the sprayers were um, the ones that would spin, you know, so they would make a lot of noise. And I'm in an apartment in Amsterdam, right? And in Amsterdam, the apartments are small. You have 16 amps of power, right? 16 amps for the entire apartment, including your fridge, including whatever else you got. So you start thinking about how you're going to, 
how are you going to grow in a house with 16 amps? You know what I mean? It was always like a real struggle. So I built this system, had it all set up, turned it on, and within five seconds, I already knew I made a mistake. I was like, oh, my God, I think I overbuilt this thing, right? And it started to... Like 30 of those little sprayers were going off inside these things. And instantly, my neighbor just starts banging on my ceiling, you know, <laughs> or his ceiling on my floor, right? I'm like, oh, now what do I got to do? You know what I mean? So then I realized this is never going to work. So I told the guy, oh, my washing machine was off balance. Or, you know, I've made up some story, but then I realized, like, I can't even use this system. So I had to, like, dismantle that thing, go to slabs, you know, and just go, old, just go real simple slabs with drippers, which, again, you know, with hydro, you can, you can take it to whatever level you want as far as complications. And sometimes it's, you know, advantageous. There's, I've seen systems that are amazing. Plants look great. But I know in my heart that when they harvest, whoever's cleaning this thing is going to go nuts. You know what I mean? Because that's the problem with, with, with hydro, hydroponics in general, in my opinion, is that your clean factor is so important. You've know? you got to really keep everything just uber clean. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, that was, uh, so that was sort of my start. And then I realized, uh, you know, I went I, and I did cocoa and because i felt like cocoa was more closer to, to to soil you know what i mean had more of a vibe but then cocoa has its own all, own limitations also you know i feel like with with um like i've seen a lot of like i'd say a big percentage of people grow with cocoa in the industry you see and like within you know i'll and i never say it as a diss i'm always like oh is this grown with cocoa and they're like how did you know? You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's because it comes out in a certain band, like a certain, there's not, it's hard to go above a certain point. And luckily though, the low points are tend to be better than most. You know what I mean? So like the average guy has a cushion when he does cocoa, you know, straight hydro, like deep water culture is also my favorite when it comes to like mother plants and big plants. And if you want to grow like, I mean, I've seen the biggest plants ever grown have been on DWC ever. Like, well, you know, besides outdoor NorCal or something or, you know, Oregon. But indoors, like strictly indoors. I saw a system one time. Guy sent me a photo from Canada from back in the early 90s. And his setup was so simple, it blew my mind because you could tell that this guy has run this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. He knows his parameters, right? He would grow, he had them on uh, milk cartons, right? So he had milk cartons st- stacked up with a, with a DWC bucket on top of each one. So it's raised up off the ground because the plant was perfectly round, right? And the bottom of it was, you know, stick. Like, so it was, say it was, uh, let me see where the camera is. So if it was like up on two, or it was up on one milk carton with a, with a five-gallon bucket and then the the lowest buds were coming right almost down to the ground and the top ones were hitting almost the ceiling. And these things looked like an explosion. Like it was like, wow, dude, amazing. And he sent me these photos in, in sync and it was like empty room and then bedroom and then full flower room. And between the bed, between the empty room and the full flower room was like, you couldn't even imagine that those could be sustained by that just that simple five gallon bucket but it was because he had a separate reservoir in another room with like a you know 200 gallon that fed with um texas controllers style you know the old you know texas controller that that it's just like the the one main unit going to the other units so so you could otherwise you could never be able to do this because they would suck up all the water in five minutes. You know what I mean? Because these plants are just massive. But the funny part about it was he had all these photos, and then the last photo was like this humongous cop standing next to it, like huge, like six foot seven cop standing next to the plant, like with a big smile, like yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I saw the first two pictures, I was like, wow, this guy's doing great. Oh, not so great, not so great at the end, <laughs> but. uh it was a classic Canadian setup too, because what he did is he had he had the nine DWCs and I think he had twelve lights total, right? So he had twelve thousand watts, classic, you know, Canadian style hanging, right? No hoods, so nine hanging uh, bulbs, 
and then or no, twelve hanging bulbs with nine light with nine uh, plants in between. So there was light on every side of every plant, and it was amazing. Like the setup was bare bone, super simple, massive. You know what I mean? And I think DWC is like, you know, when you see roots coming out of those things, sometimes you just like, wow, like it blows your mind because you know that that's if you stretched all those roots out, they would fill the room. You know what I mean? Because they're just compacted out. So you've done several different hydroponic systems in the past. I think a lot of folks make the mistake of thinking that hydroponics is only DWC. You know what I mean? But there's so many other systems out there. I mean, one of the ones that you didn't mention is uh, flood and drain. Have you done that in the past? I, I, not for flowering so much. I used to do that with my vegging plants a lot of times. So I had a flood and drain table. I'd put all my blocks on there. And then once the roots were popping through, I'd drop them onto the slabs, you know, or into the whatever system we were doing. So flood and drain is really good for, for that, for that type of thing, because they're, they're just going for it. But I felt like whenever I was, did whenever I saw people doing flood and drain for flowering plants, you tended to get like, unless they were all monocultured, if they were all the same strain, okay, then it would be easier to, to maintain. But if you had a situation where you had multiple things going on, it was very hard to like lock them in because you'd overwater one and underwater the other ones, you know what I mean? Because they get into these, they just have different capillary sort of action. And so you'd end up with like, like over, like they're fine in veg, but in flower, I always felt like you, you, you'd overdo it sometimes because they, they're, they're in a different mode when you're, when you're young, you can just throw whatever you want at them and they'll take it, you know? But I, I feel like, uh, you know, the idea of hydro is, is a very enticing, especially to new growers. But what I tended to tell people was like, you're going to learn a lot more growing in soil just because you're not so fixated on, on fixing the system every time. You know what I mean? Cause you come in the room, you're like, Oh, I got a leak over here. So you're not even looking at your plants anymore. You're looking at the leak, you know, and you're working on that leak. And then you go to your plants, whereas on soil, it's sort of like, unless it's a water situation, I mean, the only thing you really have to do, you come in, and you're like, oh my God, they're all drooping. I got to water them before I can do anything. But that's about it. Otherwise, you're not so, you know, worried about little little things. And so I think it's a, w- smarter, especially from the beginning. Like if you're a new grower, start, you're better off to work your way towards hydro instead of the other way around. Like that's what I did. I did the wrong. I did the exact wrong way. I went straight to the most complicated thing possible, and uh, it's probably been like that all the way through. You know, I still do the same thing. Try to sabotage myself. Yeah, I was going to ask you when you're you're talking to a new grower and they want to do hydroponics. I mean, there are so many different ways to grow in hydroponics, right? What do you typically recommend for them to start out in? What what style? Um, if you're really if you're uh, dead set on doing it, I would say, um, well, actually, I would go with more with cocoa just because it kind of keeps them in that realm, so that the transition when they decide that they do not want to grow with hydro anymore, they won't feel so like out of their element. You know what I mean? Because um, and also. Uh, I feel like the, the formulas that people have now for cocoa, because they're, they're dialed it in so much better. Like in the beginning, there was a lot of issues because of the enzymes and because you didn't have the right. So if, you're, if you didn't have a buffer, the right buffers within your food, you'd have a nightmare. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's, where, that's what turned me off of, of cocoa down the road was because I felt like I was pigeonholed into having to, to work with certain, I have to do this. I can't not do this. If I don't do this, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to thrive. Um, Whereas you felt like you had much more uh, range when you were just kind of working on organic side, but but I, I do I do think that with um, if for instance like uh, um, a kind of a, a like a hybrid version of, of uh, is sometimes also good too, where you have um, you know you're you're giving people like earth boxes things like that that have that a wicking system so that you're you're kind of in the automated feeding, but you're not quite there, you know. And I, I it is definitely um, uh, important that you figure out what's comfortable for you, though, because like nothing worse than putting all your eggs, you know, going into it so deep and then realizing at a certain point, like, oh man, we kind of wasted a lot of how many? <laughs> I mean, how many times do you go to your friend's place and look in their uh, in their garage and see like? the remnants of all the grow systems that didn't make it. You know what I mean? It's just like my, I have a graveyard of, of things at my spot right now. Yeah. Some of these ways can be easier than others. Like I, 
you know, talking about beginner mistakes real quick. Uh, you know, I've seen DWC systems where people try to be sort of hands off with it and they go ahead and all of a sudden their EC is, is skyrockets. They feed a high, too high of EC and their plants are dead overnight. You know what I mean? So it's like, it can be a little bit more risky than some of the other methods of growing, in my opinion. And in organics, as let's transition to that now, there's so many different ways you can do organics as well, right? You can make your own soil mix and then feed in blends, organic blends from there. You can do individual amendments. You could buy bagged organic potting mix and then go from there. What's your style of organic? Like, how do you approach organic gardening? Um, well, I'm lucky enough to live on a farm, so I have the ability to kind of, you know, work with what's there. And also, um, you know, if you're if you're growing, and that's the thing is with hydro, it makes sense sometimes because like, yeah, you're living in a place where you can't bring soil in and out and not look like complete nutcase. Like, what are they doing in this nice house coming into this? You know, so there's always reasons for everything, right? Um, and, and with me, with, with organic, like, so I... I um, uh, I, right now I'm doing uh, three by three uh, uh, cloth pots, so the square ones, you know. Um, I like to grow with large, uh, large containers, you know what I mean? I'm not interested, like that's, that's like when I see people growing on soil, but they're doing them in one gallons or three gallons or something and they're feeding them. It's like at that point you're hydro, you know what I mean? You might as well grow hydro at that point because you are feeding them every single day. So for me, it's like about a two, two day with a dry back kind of feeding schedule is about right. You know what I mean? Like I try not to, like, I don't want to have to, I I don't want to have to go down there every day, but I also don't, I like to hand feed everything just because it's like, that way, I mean, the numbers are not very, you know, if it was a large scale grow, of course, you're going to automate as much as you can. But when you're dealing with personal sized gardens, I think it's super important that you do hand water if possible, because it really connects you to the plant. Like you can, you know, you pick up the pot, you check the weight, you know what I mean? If it's in a pot or if it's in a, if it's in a three by three, you know, you, you know, you've given it a couple of days, you see a little bit of droop, you come in, you feed, but I really feel like hand watering connects you uh, to your garden a lot. Like it is really like important that you pay attention obviously too, you know, and I'm always counting in my head. Like all I'm doing is walking around and counting everything, like counting, you know, like, okay, this one, check the weight. Okay. That's, you know, and they kind of know in your head, that's 30 seconds or, you know, that's a minute. Oh, this was, and then, so I'm just constantly walking around and poking and prodding and, and I feel like it's um, one of those things where you, like, I really don't like when people feed, like, on a schedule whenever they feel like it. Like, it's really the plants. It's up to the plants, you know what I mean? So, like, if I go in and, and this one over here has not been feeding very much, well, I'm not going to give it anything. I'm going to let it dry out a little bit because I've seen many people who it just becomes like a system where they're just like, doesn't matter, you know, whatever. You didn't eat, too bad. Now you're getting more, you know what I mean? But then you'll see, you know, you can track those plants down the road and you'll see they'll they will not uh, live up to the, to the ones next to them because they just, you know, they need a, they need a break for a day or so. So yeah, I think um, for me, like organic equals that idea of hand watering and, 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 you know, slow, slow pace, not trying to, the minute you want to set it all up and forget about it, that's when you, you need to think about hydro at that point, because that's, that's the kind of person, you, you know, if you want to set it up on your phone and be all high tech and you know check all your stuff that's cool and i appreciate it and it's but a lot of times for me it's like it's a lot like um i used to work on boats right i used to sail on boats and a lot of times like when you're on a small boat you do everything by hand right everything's by hand you gotta like go in there and adjust adjust the trim on the on the sail run back here so but if you're on a bigger boat everything's automated you know what i mean you just boop boop you hit a button boop 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 and so for me i like the idea of running around and doing adjusting things because it keeps me in the in the moment you know what i mean and it also makes me like know like i know when i'm going to bed like oh i gotta go back and check that because it's like you're you're connected to your garden more the minute you like have it all on your computer or it's on your phone or whatever it's like you're waiting for your phone to tell you if your plants are not good you know what i mean it's like you shouldn't you don't you lost the you lost your little heart connection to your plants at that point because you're like oh It'll take care of it. And then, oh, shit, my phone's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, things, you know, too late, too little, too late. And uh, we've all left the uh, reservoir running and ran up to the, somebody rang on the doorbell and you forgot and you 
went and started doing something else, you know what I mean? And then had that that heart drop moment <laughs> where you're like, oh my God. And I've done it more than most, I'd say. But still makes you feel, it makes you laugh at yourself though sometimes, which is always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, when you're like, I can't believe I just did that again. Right. <laughs> when it comes to like the fertilizer uh, do you typically do like the organic blends? Do you do individual amendments? Do you do compost or worm castings? What, what do you a, do for that? I'm a little of the, I'm a kind of a little I'm guilty of all of the above in the sense of I usually will reamend all my soil, like I, because I'm doing it in three by threes. I will, and I'm, you know, I, I I've played around with no-till. I like it, but the problem is is that I'm also um, nervous about any kind of pathogens or any kind of problems kind of kicking in and having to like, you know, like once you have a soil that you've dedicated years into it, you know what I mean? It's, it becomes super critical, um, that you can keep it, maintain it. And, and I also have sponsors from the show. So I got like, you know, bio three, six, five soil. I've got access to all this. So I'm like, well, you know, it, in an ideal world, of course I would, you know, be living on my farm, reamending my stuff and keeping it all biodynamic and within the actual, confines of the property you know what i mean but when you have people dropping off pallets of soil to you you're like eh, probably gonna use soil you know what i mean i'm not gonna go out and make my own soil when i have people delivering me beautifully made uh products so i'm doing a lot of testing which makes it harder to kind of maintain one system so um so like um, for instance uh what i'll usually do is i'll have all fresh soil on my smaller runs and then eventually I'll take all that soil and put it outside and then re-amend it and then bring it back into an, and, and use it in a different different part of the garden, you know. So every, it's a beautiful thing. I got chickens and we got, you know, we got cows and chickens and horses and things on the property. So it's like a constant flow, which is a beautiful thing, you know what I mean? And that's where I, I, I love the idea of – and that's why I feel like if you have a situation like that, then you, if you're not growing organically, it would be crazy, right? If you, if you literally have the ability to – you know, take all your scraps and feed them to your chickens and they're happy. You're happy. <laughs> Everybody's happy at that point. Um, and, uh, I also work with, um, with cultured biologics who is also, I think Tim was on your show recently. And oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how, I mean, talk about a wealth of knowledge, right? That guy, amazing. So like when you get somebody like that, super passionate and I'm testing out their products and I'm like blown away by the quality. I mean, his, Anybody who's listening to this, if you have, go back and listen to the show with Tim, you will realize, I'm sure, how in- incredibly intelligent he is, but also passionate, and his, his mater- the quality of the products coming out of his thing uh, is amazing. Like, I, I, night and day, like, I, I literally, and it's powdered, which is great, you know what I mean, the Eon line at least, I mean, he's got new stuff coming out, but the Eon line, which is what I've been running, wow, it's like... It is. It really feels like you're you're uh, treating your plants super special every time you you feed them. You're just like, man. And then, like his supplements, his liquid supplements, nitrogen. He's got a nitrogen, phosphorus, um, and he's got like some saponins and and all those products. I can't believe every time I hit him up with it. You know, you get that extra special feeling when you walk back in, and everything is praying like amazing and just. Yeah, the, the amount of growth that comes off those, his nitrogen one, I dropped one recently and it, it really smells, it doesn't smell bad. It's got a really weird smell. It's got like a smell of like a locker room, <laughs> like kind of like high school locker room funk, which is, you know, if you know it, you know it. And you can, <laughs> it's like, it's a weird, but it's like, uh, yeah, it's just this weird, weird vibe, but it's, but oh my God, the plants they just go off so yeah so i have a ability to work with a lot of cool products which makes it kind of like my curse is that i'm always changing my stuff up like my mom goes nuts right my mom grows with me and she is she'd be such a better grower without me around because she's so consistent with her stuff like she's just you know can just consistently nails it i mean she's her dad was the grandfather with the garden right so she pretty much just has it in her in her system and she never like like every time there's a fuck up it's because i tried to do something like hey hey then she'll come in and what are you doing you know i was like oh i was just trying this new thing you know and and so so i my my probably my guilt my my worst thing about growing from my personal point of view is that i'm always trying new things which i mean i feel like it's part of the 
nature of the beast, right? Like you always want to improve on things, but, and it's a little bit like fashion. If I look at photos from five years ago, I'm like, what was I doing? Like, what the hell was I doing there? <laughs> like, why are my plants so dark? You know what I mean? Like, I'm way overfeeding them here. I can, I'm always critiquing all my old stuff. And it's amazing how each time you do something, you feel like it's the best you've ever done or sometimes, you know, hopefully it is. And, and there's no more room for improvement, but then lo and behold, you look back a year later and you're like, you oh, know, there was so much room for improvement. It's very similar to the whole concentrate game and all the different things you see, the evolution of things and how quickly they, they go up. And you're like, if you look at a photo again from like 10 years ago, you're just like, what is that? Like, couldn't even identify it. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to, to try different stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you can lock in on something that works for you, good, 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 uh, rule is to continue that same thing, you know, because you will improve on it or just be like me and always try something different. (laughs) I'm just like you where I'm always doing something different. I mean, uh, some of my viewers have complained because they, they watch my videos and they're like, Hey, you're not still doing that method. Why? What happened? Is there something wrong with it? It's like, no, I'm just, tr- just trying something new. There's so many different ways to go about it. When it comes to organics, I was growing, uh, I was using the earth dust nutrients by the green sunshine company. They went out of business craft blend by build a soil. Now I'm using a kiss nutrients pack, uh, kiss organics nutrient pack. But man, you, you're making me want to try, uh, Tim's. Oh, Tim's is amazing. And you know who else is also amazing? I'm sure you've had him on the show before is uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine. I haven't had him on yet. No. Oh, you need to have them on yet. They're, ama- they're up in Canada and they have a complete biodynamic formula. Duke uses a lot of their stuff and, and I'm just they're, they're one of the ones in the group, like I'd say out of all the people that are in the industry, they're like 100% doing it the right way. You know, like there's no, 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 uh, they do not skimp on anything. Like not a single input that's in any of their products is not or is not 100% certified organic. Like they, there is no like oh well we're not 100% sure. No, it's like even if like product that went into the compost possibly wasn't organic, they don't need they don't they don't touch it. You know what I mean? So it's amazing. There there's some you know that's the thing with with I think uh, people tend to always think that it's like one extreme or the other. And that's why I really feel like a kind of a combination of everything is what kind of works for everybody. And and if you notice like companies like Veganics, right back in the day, you know, everybody thought if you look at it, go look into that label and look into it. It's not vegan. It's not vegan. There's not, there is is 2%, maybe 3% non-organics, you know what I mean? But that's all it takes, right? So if you want to be extreme, you have to be like Dragonfly Earth Medicine and do it real, right? can't really bottle organics and and truly have a proper product because it's like that that two percent is probably the most important two percent <laughs> i mean it's like it's what's really making it do its thing so you know organic has its place but it has to be very you know you have to you also have to be a little bit like forgiving on some things too because i feel like you want to give the plant the best things it can get you know and not limit itself but yeah you definitely should try you definitely need to try the culture it's amazing now, are you also doing some of the, I like to call optional methods, which is like cover crops, mulch layers, things that aren't really required when growing organically, but people do it as well in order to try to get a better result. There's benefits to doing those things. Um, I do like um, cover crops mostly because I feel like it helps the soil um, not dry out too quickly. You know what I mean? Otherwise you get that dusty top zone where you just feel like there's not much life in the top two inches, you know, and that's really where you want more biodiversity. So like, um, you know, I'll, I'll tend to grow clover and barley and things like that. And sometimes in, in between, like a lot of times if I'm not, like if there's any, um, like when I'm finished with the crop, I'll just throw a bunch of seeds in there just to keep the life rolling in that thing so it doesn't get all dead on you, you know? So, but I won't do it as like, as like that is my only nutrients are the, the you know, go in there and cut all the things down and let it go back in and that's it. Like I'm still... I'm still, you know, coming from the world of just, I want to see some action. <laughs> you know, I want to see some action go down. Now, when we're talking about hydroponics versus growing organics, uh, there's a couple things that are kind of controversy, which would be yield and then flavor. Let's start with yield. Did you personally notice a difference in yield when growing organically versus hydroponically? 100%. 100%. Yeah, like, I mean... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, uh, hi- the thing about growing on hydro is you, you do, you do achieve sometimes 
amazing results when it comes to yield, right? Because you are basically, you know, um, fogwaring these things, right? You're force feeding them. You're giving them whatever, you know, you're maxing them out on their EC. You're pushing the plants to its limit. Um, you know, I've seen massive plants, especially recently too, because like I go and tour all these gardens and, you know, it's 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 beautiful to see, but I also know that there's PGRs in there and I'm not really interested in smoking any of it because I don't feel it's healthy, but I see some phenomenal growth, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's some amazing results. Um, so yields tend to uh, suffer a little bit in, in, in organic, not, not all the time though. There's certain situations. It really depends on your location and your, in whatever your inputs are because organic growing, for instance, outdoors, yeah, there's, I wouldn't even compare it. You know what I mean? Because you're never going to get a salty plant to grow as big as an organic plant outdoors in a large scale, just because it, it won't, it will not, there's nothing to sustain it at that point. Whereas, you know, when you're growing organically outdoors on a scale like that, just the amount of assistance that's going on within the mycorrhizal and you know the rhizospheres is a completely active place. Whereas if you go on the hydro, the rhizosphere is a devoid of action. You know what I mean? It's like, there's things going, there's roots growing, but there's hardly any, you know, uh, life down there. And so for me, the, the key to the whole thing is, is everything helps each other. Right. So if you're growing, uh, so like, but flip, but then on the opposite end of the spectrum, when it comes to flavor, hands down, hundred percent organic every time, like there's no, not even a question. Like, and people can say, Oh yeah, I, I get, I can grow it. So it, you know, people can't tell the difference. Sure. Sure. You can, but I bet if somebody else grew it organically, it would taste better than what you, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it really comes down to like, you cannot compare them because, you know, the cardboard terps you get off of Athena is not going to ever compare to, a, you know, a properly grown organic garden. Just, it ain't happening. I'm sorry. You know, and and people can, because a lot of times people will be like, no, but not from experience, only from, you know, they smoked that, they think it tastes good, but they don't know what else could be there. You know what I mean? There's so much more that can be there. And yeah, definitely from a, from an actual wanting to smoke it point of view, like I had, um, we did a thing called the ADSI, which is the Adam Dunn Show Invitational. We did him, I think 2014, 15, and 18. And every single time, top three, organic. And this is all blind. And this is by the growers. Like, you know, we did the classic where if you enter, you get to test. So it wasn't like, you know, randos. It was like, you entered, or you entered hydro, but you picked organic. <laughs> so therefore that just tells me it wins right there. You know what I mean? Like the growers themselves see it and appreciate it. So yeah, I think you can't really beat it. Now what about bud structure? I heard people, some people say bud structure is compromised when you're growing with hydroponics. For example, they, they uh, have grown the same cultivar, same cut in organic versus hydroponic and they've got more denser bud structure in the organic side of things. But hydroponics, it's more airier, fluffier bud structure. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I think that's true, too. I mean, it, it comes down to genetics a little bit there, though, also. So sometimes you'll have certain ones that just respond better to the situation. Um, you know, the thing about hydro is it's a lot of water weight, right? So you've got this, like, massive, you know, expansion and large watery cells. Um, you know, it's very similar to, like, and then if you take organic growing, it's like the cell structure is tighter. You know, the, the cell walls are thicker. So when you take a cell wall that's thicker and you dry it out, then you have more mass, right? So theoretically, and it's, and it's denser, so you don't get this big expansion and then retraction, right? That's that, like Big Bud, right? When I was, so uh, in Holland, right? Because the Dutch are very, um, they're very money orientated. They're not so, you know, flower orientated. They, they love their money. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's flowers for the Kuchenhof or if it's, you know, whatever it is, it's about the bottom line. That's all the, the Dutch really care about. That's where, that's why Americans who go there really shine when it came to breeding because we really were about flavors and about all these things that they weren't about. They were only about size, smell, and money. <laughs> that's kind of, that's their, that's their goal, right? How big is it? What does it smell like? How much money can I get? You know, and so we were more like, you know, how does it smell? How does it taste? And does the joint even burn? You know what I mean? Because that would be the other thing too. You get people just 
pack them up with food and don't really flush it properly, and you end up with some terribly burning. And so, um, the uh, but what I also noticed too, and you, you as you go higher up in altitude, you know, you, your plants change too, and that's one of the things where I almost compare like a high altitude plant to a organic growing plant and a valley, like a low valley plant to a hydro plant because the low valley plant gets a lot of water, right? Grows really tall and thin and kind of just massive biomassy kind of situation. And as you go up into the mountains, the same genetics would be short and more compact to, to insulate them better and also to be more efficient. And as the UV increases, as you go higher up and the UV increases, it it shortens everything down. Like, so if you go to the top of a mountain and see the t- trees at the top, they're a lot shorter and tighter and more compact. And as you go down the mountain, it gets bigger and bigger. And when you get to the bottom, they're really big and just water. So it's kind of like similar in the sense that you get this density issue. And that density is what I believe is the part that you're saying as far as like, cause I've seen a lot of plants grown on hydro, which, you know, they look, they fill up the area, but you can just see that there's not much there. You know what I mean? Like they have this, especially all the Cali strains, all these new Cali strains are really lame. <laughs> I'm sorry to say they're really lame to grow. You grow them and you're like, what? That's it. Like they don't ever explode. You know, they don't have that vigor that you're looking for. And I feel like it's almost like all of us old-time growers, we're always going back to the 90s, right? Oh, the 90s, big, giant, Williams Wonder, but, you know, we had, like, because everything counted, right? Like, it was like, you get one shot, you know, you get one shot, kid, and then you've got to get it and make it happen. Whereas now, the pressure's off as far as, like, you know, you're running a licensed facility. There's no, there's no pressure beyond doing a good job. But what's funny is that because of that, people gotten a lot less focused on, you know, like the all of the above strains that you want, which is like good yields or good strength and power and does all the things you want. They're just going for like the one, all they're going for is extraction. That's pretty much like, that's how people's brains are. So like whatever, they, they take it, does it wash well, right? When somebody asks me is, does it wash well? I'm usually like off <laughs> you know what i mean like really that's all you care about is washing the plant you don't even care about the plant because the plants that wash well are not the plants that smoke well the plants that smoke well tend to be you know individual nice buds that are really like get a chance to mature properly and they're not all these like runny little plants and but the ones that are runny or the ones that are loose they're really good for making extracts you know so you're like you don't want to like like your really good flower plant that's got nice compact beautiful buds they're hard to get into to make the product so by the time you get into them you've tore them all up and now you've created more you know just more chlorophyll in the system or more plant matter whereas if you get plants that are you know like just easy there are lots of lots of trikes on both sides it's easy to get to knock it all off really quickly your hand paddling, you know, everybody's doing it by hand, so they don't want stuff that you have to break it up, you know, you, and if you have to break it up, you're, you're causing more, you know, quality control issues at that point. So, yeah, I think, I think definitely, uh, and also the other thing, too, the, the number one thing I see problems with is pH on hydro systems, right? I'll walk in, and I'll be like, oh, you got a pH problem. I'll be like, oh, what are you talking about? No, you know. Dude, you got a pH problem. I'm telling you right now. Look at everything. It's all single leaves. It's all like looking really stressed out. You know what I mean? And that's the problem with hydro is that, you know, you're creating all of the boundaries and therefore there's a huge chance of messing all up. You know what I mean? Because you are a human and you are not like the plants have no problems. Um, If you give them everything they need, they'll figure it out. Right. And they'll take it in as they need to take it in. But when you're doing hydro, you don't give them a chance because they only have a very limited window to feed, which is like when the timer kicks on, right? So the timer kicks on, they're feeding, they get a little bit of remnants at the end of it all, and then it's just drying out and, you know, hopefully expanding roots, et cetera. But um, when it's on soil or it's on, you know, organically, it's like, it's kind of like a, they have a, uh, they have a, a smorgasbord set up in front of them, you know? And so they're like, oh, oh, I want one of those. Let me have some of that, you know? And at the same time, the mycorrhizal and other things are, you know, 
getting it ready for the plants and setting it all up and then they come in and scoop up that you know what i mean so there's a lot more there's a lot more going on that we don't get and you'll never get because it's you know at a microbial level and it's not like it's not your decision to make you know it's so so yeah i think the most of the mistakes will probably be human error you know on hydro which is you know something we can avoid but with with organic you kind of like you just kind of try to create the the environment for them to do their thing that makes sense i definitely want to get into cost perspective here but there are folks that are on a budget right? Uh, they don't want to be spending uh, hundreds or potentially even thousands of dollars, depending on how big their they setup they want to have to get started. So from a cost perspective, talk to us about hydro versus organic. So by far, obviously, um, organic would be cheaper to get into. Um, now, when you start talking about cost per pound and on, on industrial levels and things like that, um, after the initial input, because the thing about hydro is you got to buy the system, right? So you buy the system and then a lot of people they're like, yeah, but I bought it once and I can just reuse it over and over and over again. So that in their mind is their cost saving factor, right? There's still inputs, right? You still got your cocoa or your rock wool or whatever medium that you, unless you're growing on. So like DWC would probably be the cheapest format of going into it because you really only have to buy that cocoa block each time or that rock wool block each time to put on top for the most part. Um, whereas, you know, with, and, and so really it comes down to like, uh, from a beginner point of view, costs are kind of negligible because we're not talking about a big system. So it might cost a little bit more for hydro, um, but the, the at the end of the day, like if they were to take their cost per gram or whatever, it would end up uh, being cheaper on organic in the long run, but in the short run, because uh, you can sort of like say, hey, I spent $27 and I may, and I got a pound. You know, okay, so there you go. That's a pretty good ratio. Um, whereas a lot of times with organic stuff, uh, you know, the 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 initial costs, depending on what you're doing. I mean, if you go to Build a Soil, who's another sponsor of my show, and he's got every range possible, right? You could go, you can spend a, you can also spend quite a lot of money on on, on organic stuff too. It is so it really depends on on what you want to do, but you can also go um, like. Those guys at Dragonfly Earth Medicine, they quoted me at $5 a pound for their organic. That's what they, their costs are, you know. So 5 bucks a pound is pretty damn cheap. I don't think you're going to get much cheaper than that. And that's because, of course, they're on a, you know, they're using everything within their farm. So they're very rarely putting much more inputs in it. Took them a long time to get there, and I'm sure there was, you know, initial costs all the way along. But, you know, you, you definitely can grow cheaper if you live in the right place organically, like if you don't live in the right place, it's not going to make much sense. But, you know, you're going to grow, especially if you're doing anything greenhouse or outdoor, anything large. Because, you know, when you start thinking about, I mean, I've seen people do it, like hydroponics outdoors. You're like, what is wrong? You're like, what are you doing over here? You know what I mean? Really going against the grain as hard as you can. Um, but in a small scale, I think uh, cost-effective-wise, uh, organic a hundred percent cheaper uh but at the same time when you're growing on scale to like for large licensed producers and stuff they're going to look at it like the uh they're going to have a better time with hydroponics because it's easier for them to calculate the inputs and the outputs because there's a very simple formula that keeps repeating itself over and over again you know it's kind of my my way of looking at it Got it. Yeah, it can be super cheap organic. They have a closed loop operation, right? Which is kind of what you were explaining that that farm has, which is basically they're they're using their own inputs that they're creating. I mean, you can even go down the the natural farming route, right? With the the fermented plant juice, fermented fruit juice, all that stuff, and it gets really really cheap then. And I think that's actually it's one of the the latest advancements in 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 uh, agriculture that even though it's, uh, even though it's ancient technologies, the fact that everybody's tuned in on it now and it was like maybe like four years ago or something like that i think it's the first time i even like ran across ferments you know what i mean and my friend had him in his garden and i was like what's this he's like oh i made that out of peaches and i made this one out of uh, mangoes and i was like really oh wow and 
I, you know, didn't really like, I mean, his gardens were nice, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh my God, blown away. But then later, flavor wise, I started to like, you know, he gave me some uh, from that, that round and I was just like, man, this stuff, amazing taste, right? And then, so I started to gravitate towards it. And then uh, now, of course, Miles is, is making some awesome ferments and, uh, you know, teaching everybody how to do it, which is really important too. I think that's the one thing, if because we have access to all these like fresh new material, right? You're, it's like, turn it into ferments it makes so much sense and so when you can make ferments from your own plants and then reintroduce it into your own garden it's like you know it's the difference between working with uh you know local compared to like importing in every time because when you import stuff in everything has to establish itself but when you have local uh you know you have local inputs it's just gives you that much of a head start and everything's like you know that everything can survive because it's that's where it comes from, you know? So yeah, it's huge. I have yet to try some of these natural farming techniques, you know, the fermented plant juice, fermented fruit juice, but you know, it really is my goal to like not spend any money on organic fertilizer. You know what I mean? If I could spend no money on fertilizer in the future, that's, that would be a huge win. So I'm not there yet, but maybe I'll get there in the future. I think also like, you know, worms having your own little worm bin going is always a good move. Um, just don't let them dry out. <laughs> That's my problem out here. It's so dry. You, know, like, oh, you come back, you're all sad. You just lost hundreds of worms. You know? Come back. But yeah, worms are great. If you can get them in your garden, that's, that's a huge bonus right there. Yeah, I get the worm bin going. And yeah, so I'm, I'm working. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, when it talks about hydro versus organic, I have some people ask me, what's better? And the follow-up question should always be, what's better for what? You know, what are you looking for? Are you looking to make things easy? Are you looking to grow plants fast? I had to go on one team or the other. I would go team organic just because of my feelings of, of a consumer. You know, like if it was if it was a producing situation and that's all you cared about was numbers and production, I can I can understand when people might want to go down that road. But if you're if you're doing it for yourself and you are the recipient of all of this material, you're doing yourself no favors by by limiting your organic and like being and going with a, with a hydro system because you really at the end of the day like when it comes to food or anything that i'm putting in my body i really want to focus on you know having an organic i'd rather spend the extra money to have organic than than try to cut corners and, and i feel like with with uh, anything that you're consuming on a daily you should think that way because there will be a reckoning at some point right and when you figure out down the road like wow been smoking all this pgr might look really good, but it's not good for you. I'm telling you, it's 100% not good for you. You know, and you can really see the difference. And we were saying earlier about the, you know, natural like or organic compared to um, uh, hydro. Really, it's the PGRs. That's the number one issue right now, and that's the problem with most of the or most of the hydro formulas. Unless they specifically tell you that they're not in there, they probably are in there. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's almost like if you uh, if you want to get corn products right if it doesn't say it's organic you can guarantee it's gmo and it's been grown with roundup you know what i mean so you probably don't want to consume it at that point so i always feel like with anything like that you really you're better off to uh take the slow road and and have a a quality product at the end that you can feel is safe well said. Well, we could get deeper and deeper into both aspects, but uh, we're going to wrap things up here. I, you know what? I, you know what? what I'm going to do now, though, is I'm going to invite you to my show, and then, right. you, then you can go nuts. You can be throw <laughs> it, the Mister Groat you've always wanted to be. I'm swearing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but definitely come on the show sometime and hang out with us. It'd be great. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Tell the listeners where they can find you and uh, what you have upcoming in the future. So it's uh, every Friday. We're about to do a show in a few hours now, but it's uh, every Friday, 420 to 710 Mountain Time. Three-hour show. Uh, we do, uh, you know, we have lots of interesting guests, but we also, you know, we, we, we're we not strictly a grow show. One day it could be, you know, building materials. The next day it could be, CBD. The next day it could be THC stuff. The next day, you know, it could be anything, any above of all different subjects. So it makes it great. You know, it could be hempcrete one day. Um, but we have, uh, yeah, we've had we've had some great guests this year. It's like so far, we've only we're only in February, and we've had you know Ed on here, Ed Rosenthal on here, and Tommy Chong, and all the big all the big hitters come on every so often. And and but our show is very much like a uh, a hangout. You know, so it's a little bit less of a tell you what to do, but more just come hang out with us and enjoy your Fridays.
Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd love to come on there. I appreciate the invite. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Looking good. Looking forward to it. Well, Adam, this has uh, this has been a fun talk. Definitely, I'd love to hear your your perspective on organics and hydroponics. Definitely learned a lot of things about you. And I mean, you've been doing this for a very, very long time. So really, really good insight. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. For those tuning in, click the thumbs up if you enjoyed this episode. Also, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Every single weekend, I'm releasing a new Garden Talk podcast episode. And I'd love for you to tune into future episodes. Adam, once again, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate it. We'll keep in touch. I'll come on your podcast and we'll go from there. That sounds like a plan. All right. Peace out, everyone. Catch you in the next episode.